Welcome to Zero to a Million, where we interview multimillionaires on how they scaled their business to $500 million. Uh, 10 years ago? Nah, there are plenty of those types of podcasts out there. We want to provide you with strategies real time while we scale Unstack from zero to a million. Every week, you can learn from our successes and failures. Plus, get tips from our mentors and advisors. While we implement, you learn. While we learn, we scale. Welcome to the Zero to a Million podcast. Hey everyone, this is Carter, the producer of the podcast. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Unstack YouTube channel. We've been posting video highlights of the podcast for the past few weeks. If you want to support us, please check out this week's video. You don't want to miss this one. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Zero to a Million brought to you by Unstack. I'm your host, Zach Rigo. Today I'm joined by Andrew Goey, co-founder of Ketchup Labs, a full service startup studio also co-founder of Pitch Pages, a tool that makes it easy for founders to build their pitch and manage their entire fundraising process. Brought Andrew on today to join us after the investor series to actually help founders come up with, uh, one, an investor pitch deck that is uh, strategically put together. He's done a lot of research on the subject. And two, an investor pitch deck that is easily editable, easily shareable, and, and really easy to get in front of investors. Uh, on a previous episode, we talked to Charlie Hipwood and he mentioned one of his uh, you know, favorite ways to invest was just by being on a monthly or quarterly investor update and really getting to know the startup and the founder. So I wanted to ask Andrew to help us out with the best ways to put together that pitch. So Andrew, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, Zach. I really appreciate uh, you having me on here. So I was doing some research in preparation as we do when we prepare for a podcast episode. Have you ever worked for anybody else or did you just get out of college and say, I'm going to figure out some way to make money doing something? Because it seems like you got started in entrepreneurship pretty early. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's kind of always been in my head. Um, my father uh, was a, a venture capitalist for a while um, growing up. So uh, it just it, it definitely was always in my head. Um, when I was in high school, I started my first business. Uh, it was called Web Du Jour. Uh, me and my neighbor actually uh, got in on it together. Um, you know, we were, I guess I, I must have been like 13 years old or something at the time. And, uh, and we decided we would start learning how to build websites. And we were, back then, you know, you didn't have all these website builders. <laughs> um, you didn't have anything like Unstack. And, um, and so uh, we were doing, we were trying to learn programs like Dreamweaver and Flash. And, uh, and we were just kids, but you know, we had a whole bunch of time on our hands. And so we kind of just did it over the summer. We called it Web Du Jour. And uh, we started going out and just trying to talk to uh, local businesses like chiropractors and stuff to, to do their websites. Um, it didn't last too long, you know, we were kids. And so uh, we got, we, we built these fancy computers to, to run this business that we had. And, um, you know, these computers are really good, right? At the time, right? Not, not, com not compared to what we have now, but, uh, but then, you know, video games, you know, became a priority. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so it was, you know, we're just, we were in high school and, and entrepreneurship, you know, back then isn't really what it is today. I mean, you know, it's pushed, uh, really hard on, on students and, um, just people in general, like the entrepreneurship, right? 
Um, and so, yeah, you know, I've always had the mentality. Um, when I uh, when I graduated from college, I, I truthfully, I, I didn't really know what to do. I graduated with a finance degree. Uh, and obviously, I, I still I wanted to, to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to uh, to figure out how to get down that path. Um, but I graduated, I, I got into finance first and then slowly kind of worked my way out of that. Um, and, uh, so it wasn't something that I did immediately out of college. Uh, I went to go work for, um, a life insurance company. Actually, uh, I was a life insurance rep for a little bit. Just kind of, I used that as a tool to, uh, essentially teach me how to sell. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it pretty much was a sales boot camp for a year. Uh, it was really interesting. Um, then I just uh, I started to work for a startup. Uh, actually, before that, uh, I went to go work at Google, and uh, I was there for a week actually, and uh, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was huge. The place was massive. Um, you know, I loved the free food and all that, and <laughs> that was great. Um, there's a joke over there um, that they always talk about, like when you when you get there, like if you're a newbie over there, they call you. Um, a noogler and uh and so it was like the the noogler like 15 or something where uh you know everybody that's new at google like that first year they gained like 15 20 pounds from all the free food but you know it just it wasn't really my scene i, I thought it was really cool it was incredibly fascinating um you know they they have a lot of structure i mean there's thousands of people that work there the campus was massive and it just wasn't for me you know when you're an entrepreneur you or you have that mindset of an entrepreneur um you know, when you're, you you don't want to just do one thing, you want to do 10 things, you want to learn, you know, you want to get to experience things. And you just, so it, it, I, I ended up getting an offer at a startup about a week after I started at Google. And then I just told them, I was like, all right, I'm so sorry to do this to you, but I, I'm going to have to leave. Um, Your interview so process was I, probably longer than the time you were there, right? Their interview process is pretty it rigorous. Was. Yeah, yeah, it was actually. Um, I had a few interviews. <laughs> I remember that for sure. And the orientation was very overwhelming. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I left. I left Google. I went to go work uh, for a little startup at the time. Um, it was uh, we actually. Uh, it was like a five-person team, uh, so I got to do a lot. I got to learn a lot. It was really awesome. Uh, we our office was in a warehouse uh, in Mountain View, California. Uh, it was really cool and um, we shared that warehouse with a, a few other companies and uh, there was this other startup in that warehouse and they were building a well they built a, a, a mobile app that would do messaging uh, across data and so you know at the time I didn't really think too much about it I was kind of thinking like well why would I why would I need this app when I can just text anybody but I'm here in America you know like everybody all my friends everybody's in the United States for the most part. I wasn't really thinking about, um, you know, overseas. And uh, so anyways, the, you know, they a couple times they would come over and like they would show us the app, show us what they were working on. Um, anyway, long story short, that company was uh, WhatsApp. Yep. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it was wild, Not man. Bad. I mean, there was, I think there was only two of them. <laughs> I think there was two or three of them that were working there in the, you know, some cubicles in the warehouse that we shared. Uh, so that was kind of, that was kind of interesting. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of went off a tangent here, but, um, but yeah, entrepreneurship is just something that's always been in my head. Um, I just, I want to dictate my life. I want to dictate what I do, and the time and the money that I put into the things I do, I want them to be invested in myself. So, uh, so it's, 
Yeah, um, I've just always had that mentality. So you, you you make your way through a few startups. Uh, I believe you have a successful exit somewhere in the middle there. You, you now are at, uh, you know, running Ketchup Labs, which I think is a really cool, uh, you know, take on, on really supporting the startup community and probably imparting some wisdom on startups. Uh, you know, take me through some of the challenges you're you're helping these startups sort out. Like when they come and knock on your door, like what are the things that they're like hard hitting, pressing issues that they're bringing to the table? Yeah, well, most of our clients, uh, most of the founders or entrepreneurs that come to us are, you know, they're kind of getting into this space uh, for the first time. So uh, our whole goal is just helping them navigate through, you know, these uncharted territories. Um, there's uh, there's a lot to learn. And um, and startup life is, is a lot harder than uh, I think a, a lot of people really uh, understand. Um, you know, because of where we're at today, you know, like, like I said, you know, back when I was in college or growing up, entrepreneurship wasn't really pushed uh, on youth, uh, you know, as it is today, students. And, um, but now, you know, like I said, we live in this world where, um, you know, people see on TechCrunch, you know, all these unicorn companies that are getting billion dollar exits and going public. And, and I mean, everybody's like getting, you know, everybody thinks like, oh my God, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go build a startup and I'm going to have this billion dollar exit. Um, and there's just so much work that goes into it. There's a lot of sacrifice. Um, you're going to get, you're going to hit a lot of points, uh, a lot of times in that process uh, where you want to give up. Um, you know, even, even like when it comes down to fundraising, uh, you sort of have to, you really have to learn how to not take things personally because, uh, you know, you're, it's inevitable you're going to get rejection. Uh, you're going to get tons of rejection. Tons of investors are going to tell you no. Uh, some of them will say, like, there's just no possible way this is going to work uh, and really kind of make you feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, what am I doing here? Um, but um, but you got to be persistent and you got to kind of, you really have to try to not let it, not let it get to you in a, uh, personally. Um, you know, if you're if you're doing the research and you're putting in the work, then um, you know we want to be there to support you and and help you overcome some of these obstacles. Um, and you know, part of a big part of what we do, honestly, is 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 somewhat motivation and therapy at the same time. You know, kind of reminding the founders and entrepreneurs that we work with, you know, what they're capable of and the reason why they're doing these things. You know, what's the purpose? You know, always don't forget about your purpose and, and why you want to do this. Um, and, uh, and we just help them along the way, uh, you know, making sure that anything from making sure that their company is structured in the right way to, uh, you know, what are the best ways to try to um, build an MVP or uh, acquire your first customers. I mean, we just we've been through it already. Uh, so we just understand the pain. And, um, and so it's a little bit of a combination of, of just of mentorship, um, helping helping through some obstacles. And, um, and providing some motivation at the same time, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's what we do for the most part. So, you know, in your experience, I assume, you know, throughout some of the startups you founded, you've had to raise money. Your, your dad was a VC, so you've probably seen the other side of him either turning down potentially good deals or, or you know, signing up for good deals. Take me through some of the experiences of your, of your, you know, fundraising, being out on the trail, getting rejected. You know, we hear about these stories and I think, Founders more recently, I've seen be really transparent about when and how they got turned down, especially now that they're succeeding. I think Gumroad recently did a really cool job of being like totally transparent on their failures and now their successes. But would love to hear some of your experience uh, 
you know, when you were when you were a founder trying to, to get out there and raise money and, and get rejected? Yeah, um, you know, and, and even to this day, um, you know, just re I still take rejection personally. <laughs> you know, even though I tell everybody not to, uh, I still yeah, take rejection. It's I, easier to it, tell Oh, people. it totally is. <laughs> it totally is. Um, it's great to be in the business of giving advice. Uh, but yes. uh, yeah, so, um, you know, where do I start? Uh, you know, I started um, uh, you know, trying to raise money for my first startup, I guess it was, I think it was back in 2010. Um, and, uh, and it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, I did have, I had some help um, and we did, we did pretty well. Uh, we actually um, got investors in Asia and we set up a company in Singapore, uh, which was really cool. You know, at the time, uh, Singapore was just a really great place actually to start a company because of the grants that you could get. Um, and, uh, but you know, it just, it, it truthfully never gets easier. Um, you know, my own ventures, uh, we've, we've raised money for, uh, I believe four of my own ventures and then I've helped some other companies and every single time it's the same, it's the same thing. You know, it's, it's, there's, you always have to put in a little bit of work into it and just understand that it's somewhat of a full-time job. Um, and, uh, and so, but through the experience, you kind of understand that you have to, you actually have to try to get in front of investors a little bit earlier than you think. Um, in a way, you you want an investor to, to, to see your story and to see the progress that you're making, even if they're not ready to invest in you right away. Uh, because if you meet an investor for the very first time and you show them your pitch deck and it shows like some milestones and stuff, it, they're still just meeting you for the first time. Uh, and so you really have to try to figure out how to bring them up back up to speed with where you started and how you got to where you're at. Because a lot of times investors will, will base their decision off of you uh, and your team uh, and that trust factor. And so if they meet you for the very first time, there's zero trust, right? They don't know you. Uh, so you have to build that trust by giving them your backstory and hopefully paint a good picture through your pitch deck. But um, but if, but like I said, so if you can, if you can get in front of an investor and just kind of show them what they're doing, just say, uh, you know, I'm working on this, um, this is where we're at and just kind of bring them along that process. Uh, even, even if they're not ready to invest, uh, there's a good chance they might be ready to invest in four or five months when they see what you're able to accomplish. Um, and because of that, because of the fact that you reached out to them uh, a little bit earlier on and just kind of kept updating them and, and showed them your progress. Uh, you you are building a relationship with them, and at the end of the day, uh, if anyone's going to give you any money uh, for your startup, then a lot of it's going to be based on trust. They gotta they gotta feel like they trust that you're gonna you're gonna deliver, and that's a, a really good way to, to do it. Uh, it. It's a numbers game. Um, you know, if you're if you're trying to get one investor, you're you're gonna have to talk to 50. Uh, so it it truly is a numbers game. Uh, if you've got a good product out there or you have a good idea that you've validated in some way, whether it's through some case studies, research, um, a private beta, uh, then you're, you're already off, off to a good start. And it, it really just, it, it's a numbers game. You just gotta, you gotta get out there. Uh, you gotta get out there. You gotta talk to as many people as you can. You gotta get on pitch competitions. Uh, you gotta go to events. You gotta be ready. Um, and, uh, and you just gotta be, you gotta be energetic and you gotta be enthusiastic and just gotta keep going. So that's a good segue into, uh, you know, what every 
pitch should should include. And you mentioned a few of the pieces along the way there, but I think, you know, all, all of the pitch pages decks start with the big idea, right? And and it's it's the genesis and the thesis behind why the business should exist. Yeah. Um, you start there, why? And then, you know, you've kind of built a flow that I think is pretty consistent across all the pitch decks. Um, would love to talk through your, your thought process on that flow and, and how that gets the investors to get excited, enthusiastic and engaged, you know, before they even understand projections and yeah. milestones, which you really kind of bury at the end, which I think is where investors probably are looking for that data to support it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say actually there's, I think there's actually a pretty big misunderstanding on uh, what the purpose of a pitch is or a pitch deck. Uh, a lot of founders go into it thinking that their pitch deck is what is like literally going to get them their investment and at a high level like you're using a pitch deck to get investment so the answer is yes uh, it is for that purpose but um but when you really think about it the true purpose of sending out a pitch deck to an investor uh is really just to get the interest and get them on the phone there is is highly unlikely that you will send out a pitch deck to an investor say through email and that investor replies back and says, I'm in, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. Let's do it. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, and so you have to get in the mindset and understand that what the true purpose of getting this pitch deck out is just to get the interest because you want to be able to get them on the phone where you can start building that relationship and really dive into some of the more details and be able to answer some of those questions. So with this thought in mind, now you can uh, prevent yourself from throwing up in your pitch deck. Uh, by, and what I, what I mean is by putting too much stuff. Um, and that is one of the biggest problems we see with new founders and their pitch decks. Um, usually when uh, we get a new client uh, and we go through their deck, it could be 30 slides. And, uh, and that's just, just way too many. Most investors, I think there's actually a research study that was done. And, uh, and most investors, angel investors, uh, typically wouldn't spend more than like two to three minutes on a pitch deck. They, they, they kind of have an idea if they want to talk to you or not just after that, those first few slides. Um, and so it's really important uh, at a high level just to make sure that your pitch is, is very clean and concise and simple. Uh, you just don't want to have too much stuff on there because you can reserve that information for a phone call. Uh, and so that's kind of what we tried to translate into uh, pitch pages. Um, it's almost like, I want to use an analogy, but not everyone's going to know what this place is. <laughs> but I, I call it the In-N-Out analogy. In-N-Out is a burger joint. I don't know if they're everywhere in the U.S. or around the world. I think I think they're regional. <laughs> but um, uh, we got them out here in the West Coast. I'm in L.A. And, uh, and they have three items on their menu. And so it kind of makes that decision process a lot easier. And so if you can take that same psychology and apply it to pitching, then you're going to get some good results. Uh, and so what we do with pitch pages is we force the founders to really learn how to consolidate all of their information uh, into a nice, clean format um, in a good flow. Uh, it prevents them from being able to throw up on the investor with too much information because we don't let them. Uh, if we go through the back end, um, like the the, uh, the dashboard or the, the page wizard uh, that founders would use our app for, um, each section is broken down and you can only do certain types of things. 
Uh, so it helps just keep the focus on what is most important and, uh, and what is going to be the most impactful information that you could give to an investor who just needs to take a quick glance, uh, be able to see what you're all about as quickly as possible, and be able to navigate your pitch as well uh, to find the information they're looking for uh, to be able to make a decision if they want to get on the phone or if they want to request more information. And so the flow of the pitch, <clears throat> when we are training people, uh, we like to recommend actually that you stand in front of a mirror and you do your whole entire pitch and you record it and then listen to yourself and watch yourself. And, uh, and a lot of people won't do that and they don't understand how effective it is to actually see your, even if you're just going to be pitching, you know, this is a new era, right? So a lot of stuff is just virtual. <laughs> like right. Nobody's meeting up in front of each other. Um, but even just on a, on a virtual pitch, um, you know, you should record yourself and then check to see, you know, how are you presenting? How are, what are your mannerisms like? Are you like this? Are you like, you know, back here? And that all goes into it as well. And, um, but when the most important thing is when you're, when you watch yourself pitch, you can actually tell if it flows or not. Like if you're kind of bouncing around in your slides and you go from, um, like your, uh, I guess maybe if you started with your revenue, revenue model first, and then after that you bounced into like, uh, your IP or patents. I mean, it just, it doesn't really work. Um, and so when you're telling the story and you watch yourself tell a story, um, and you're segueing from, from one section of your pitch to another, uh, you will be able to tell very quickly um, whether or not it flows. And that's a really good way to, to test, sort of A-B test your, your own pitch. But, um, but yeah, there's, I would say that we, we try to stick to a standard format. Um, you know, you want to have your, your hero section, you know, that big impact, you know, what are you doing? Um, what's your startup? Uh, a great idea is to put an intro video, a founder intro video. A lot of accelerators and incubators uh, require like a two minute founder intro video, because like I said, investors want to know who you are. You got to build that trust. Uh, so those are, that's a really good way to utilize that first section of your pitch page. Uh, then you want to get into that big idea, highlighting, you know, what are the big problems and your solutions uh, that surround that big idea uh, and then go from there. Some of the stuff can be reordered uh, as long as, as long as you're practicing it and, it and it does flow, then it's okay. And as long as you're also just, you know, focusing on what are the big impact statements and just don't just don't have fluff right so just kind of consolidate it keep it clean and concise uh and yeah everything in pitch pages is pretty much already in the format that is a nice little top-down approach uh from you know from everything that you're doing down to uh you know where you get into your milestones and your revenue model everything is it just uh it flows a lot better when you do that uh and yeah so i mean uh, we've done it a lot for sure um we've done a lot of pitches uh pitch decks and, uh, and this is the whole reason why pretty much you know why we started pitch pages um to help founders uh you know we want to stop them from sending out these 40 page slide decks <laughs> so, so when you think about uh right there's pitch there's a pitch deck that's built for uh almost lead gen right you're 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 shooting it out not to every investor, but you're, you're distributing it to, let's say, 50 investors to hopefully set up 10 calls to hopefully get one or two investments, let's say. You know, how do you coach up a founder on that pitch evolving from something that's succinct, big idea, let's get the next meeting to, okay, now I'm presenting, right, to 10. You know, I imagine that's a little bit longer form. You're obviously bringing a lot more context in, in what you're talking about. 
to then, you know, hopefully closing. How are you coaching founders through kind of that process so that they're thinking about the stages differently and how they're presenting the business? Uh, just to make sure I understand your question, you're asking how does a, a founder get from like that first pitch to actually closing the deal? Is that what yeah, I guess how does the pitch page pages evolve? Like I imagine it has to be a little bit longer form once you've scheduled the call and you're about to bring the investors through your, sure. your, your business model. Sure. Yeah, no, okay, great question. Um, I'm glad you asked, actually. Uh, this actually goes back to, you know, when I was talking about the misunderstanding of the purpose of a pitch, because there's actually different types of pitches, and each pitch has its own purpose. Um, so, for instance, excuse me, if you were to email your pitch to an investor, that's a completely different pitch than what you would pitch in a live pitch presentation, right? So if, I'm, if you're my investor that I'm pitching to right now, and uh, we were doing a screen share and I had my deck, uh, I would probably show you something different than what I emailed you um, because I'm heavy on the phone. So now I can actually, I can paint a better story with each slide. I can make it flow. Um, and so uh, pitches that you email versus pitches that you're pitching live are different. Even a pitch page, the purpose of a pitch page is slightly different too. And that's why on a pitch page um, in our application, we actually included a section on the pitch page that we call the digital deal room. And uh, this is where investors get to do all of their due diligence. And so if you look at a pitch page uh, and the purpose of it, it's just like, hey, here's our quick pitch. You know, do you want to learn more information about what we do? And when you scroll down, you might see a download section. And that download section is where you can host. Maybe you want to host a detailed 20 to 30 slide pitch deck there, you know, because if the investor already has some interest, they already know what you do based on your pitch page. Now they can download your 30 page deck and they can really just dive into it. Um, any seasoned investor is going to want to do some kind of a due diligence. And so that's what that whole section really is for. You can add in your three to five year financial projections. You can upload your uh, patents or any other intellectual property that you might have. Case studies, you know, they're a really great uh, thing to provide to investors to help them with their decision um, or any research or anything like that. Uh, and you can put it all put it all there. And so that is essentially, I mean, that's where investors uh, will will perform their due diligence and, and be able to get more information. So that's why, you know, with the pitch page, we just keep it simple. You don't have to put all the stuff in there. Uh, you just put it in your download section. And, uh, and that's where investors can do their due diligence. Okay. And then I guess keeping... Uh... Keeping investors engaged, you mentioned this earlier, right? Like you're, you're going to start with 50 to get one, right? There's 49 yeah. that didn't, that, that chose not to invest, but doesn't mean. Yeah, they are, there's 49 that told you, no way, get out of here. <laughs> right, which is hard, right? But, you know, yeah. and I've heard this before and we, we have an episode that, you know, is going to come out right before this one where the investor literally says, like, I want to keep informed, right? Like, I want to know, even though I said no now, like, I want to know what's going on. Um, what have you been coaching your your founders up on from a, you've built this Rolodex, you've been reaching out, like what's the engagement time like that they spend after they get the no to just keep those investors involved in the business in some way? Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of this is related to just sales, like best practices with sales. You know, I mean, um, there's there's ways that you can go about sales where you're a little too spammy which happens a lot. And then there's really good ways where you're like uh, politely persistent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, where you're checking in and you're updating, but you're not being spammy. And so that's really what we try to tell our founders or that's what we try to practice ourselves. Um, you also want to be careful of 
save you know saving all of your big wins into one big announcement um if you have say five wins right five milestones that you've achieved uh over the course of you know a few months uh, you want to make sure that uh, over the course of those few months you're letting the investors all the investors know that you're talking talking to you know what you've been up to um, don't wait until three months and give them this massive list of accomplishments um, because now you're going to have nothing left. Now you're going to have to go do the same thing. You're going to go build up for the next five or six months. And, and, um, and some of these investors may even actually just forget about you. So you do want to be, you want to be consistent. Uh, anytime you have a little win, it's a nice touch. And, uh, and if you feel like you're, you're really ready, um, a, a great way to get an investor back on is just hit them up and say, uh, We've done some. We've accomplished some really great things over the past few weeks. I would love to share them with you. Uh, I think you're going to like what you see. Would you mind just hopping on a call real quick so we can show you what we've done and the progress that we've made? Uh, and and those are just really good ways to get an investor back on without really telling them too much. Um, that way you can force the opportunity to talk to them on the phone and uh, and share with them what you've been doing. Um, obviously, you're going to get some investors that are like, I don't have time for that. You know, just send me the updates, and that's okay. Um, every investor is different and you really have to treat investors kind of like you kind of get to know them and you got to know their tendencies. Um, and it's kind of like dating, right? And, uh, and some investors, you know, are, are going to be more than happy to get on the phone and just hear you out. And some just, you know, want to do it a different way. Um, so you kind of just take it as it comes. Uh, but for the most part, when it comes to, you know, keeping an investor engaged, yeah, you want to, you want to be consistent. Uh, you at least want to have a, some kind of a touch. Uh, at least every month. Um, if you could do it a couple times, you know, that'd be great. But at least every month you want to be doing some kind of a touch with some updates. Uh, you know, anything that you've, any kind of milestones or accomplishments that you've achieved, you know, in that past 30 days. Um, it's a really good practice. So as long as you're doing that, then you're going to be able to maintain uh, staying in front of them, staying in their head or in the back of their head and, uh, and maintaining that relationship. Last question we ask every Yes, and I'm excited for your answer on this one. I see you got a book right behind you. Uh, two books you recommend <laughs> yeah. every uh, entrepreneur reads, and if you've got any that are specific to raising capital or or funny stories of raising raising capital, that would be uh, that'd be pertinent. Uh, yeah. So um, I would say my my two books that I would probably recommend. Obviously, th this is actually this is one of my favorite books. Um, I'll just I'll disclose this one first, actually, because, you know, this is um, if you're doing a startup, you're going to have to you're probably going to have to raise money right at some point. Uh, and every single new founder that I work with, I mean, this is all new to them. They have no idea what they're getting selves, themselves into. They don't understand valuations. They don't understand how valuations work. Um, they don't understand how that affects, you know, ownership and cap tables um, or or uh, term sheets and all that stuff or the different ways that you can fundraise. And, uh, and this book is actually just a really good, this is a great book that every founder should just have and read. Um, this is a, uh, a third, third edition. So this is Venture Deals. Um, I think they have a new edition out. I've had this one for quite a few years now. Um, but, uh, but, you know, different methods of fundraising keep, keep popping up. And so there's probably a new edition. I would highly recommend reading uh, Venture Deals. I still have my notes and everything in there. Um, the other one actually is uh, one of my favorite books of all time. And, uh, and I think that this applies uh, extremely well, um, not just in your professional life as, a, as an entrepreneur or founder, but even your personal life. Uh, and you've probably heard of this book. 
um but it's uh how to win friends and influence people uh by dale carnegie it's just and there's a psychological aspect uh in that book that you learn about and, and you kind of get to understand and when you apply that to everything you do um i think you're setting yourself up for uh not just a life of happiness um but i think you're setting yourself up to be more um ready for success um and you're going to create opportunities a little bit more uh there's a saying that also goes around you know you got to create your own luck and it's true <laughs> you know i mean luck is luck but at the same time if you can put yourself in a position where luck where your chances of luck are a little bit more increased uh, then, then you're creating your own luck, right? You're creating your own opportunities. Um, so I, I, I think that book is a, is a good one to read and, uh, and, uh, and venture deals, uh, for sure. Uh, I think, uh, and then zero to one, uh, is a good one. Just, um, you know, it talks about like literally like, you know, the process of when you're starting up, like getting that first customer, um, getting that first dollar in the door and what that means and how that validates, uh, what you're doing. I love that book. It's it's funny you say that, like the the uh, how to make friends or how to win friends and influence people. No one's recommended yeah. that. We're like thirty something episodes in. We've got probably really? hundred books on our list, and that's like one of the no kidding the old school. I was sitting here thinking, like, oh, is this like going to be like? Am I going to get laughed at? Like, oh, everybody says that. <laughs> no, we've had we've had the lean startup a bunch of times. We've had traction a bunch of times. I think everyone's been thinking very business book and that is a business book and it's definitely about pitching people and building relationships which is what we're talking about so super relevant and interesting that no one said it uh zero to one's an awesome book by the way too that's one of my one of my favorites the stories in that are just outstanding awesome yeah yeah no i mean i think uh i think it depends on how you how you apply you know what you're learning from these books and i think that there's just a lot that you can apply from that book uh just to every day but especially your professional life so Love it. And I got one last question for those on video. There's a shoe in the background or for those in the audio, there's a shoe in the background. I have no idea what it's from. What's, uh, <laughs> what's the deal with the shoe? We need a, we need a, a story here. I, don't, I might get a bunch of haters now. Uh -oh. you know, it just, it really depends. It really depends if you're a fan of uh, a Steph Curry or not. Got it. Um, but yeah, these are, these are Steph Curry's shoes. Uh, they just came out actually not too long ago. They were for his birthdays. His his kids actually designed them. So his, his kids' names are inside and they designed it for his birthday, uh, which was actually on Pi Day. Uh, so it was actually just a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm just a huge fan of Steph Curry. Uh, I think that I just love everything about, you know, kind of uh, his story and, and what he brought to, you know, to his profession, right? Which is, uh, which is the NBA, which is professional basketball. He's somebody that this is actually really good. Uh, something, something to talk about. This is really good. He's somebody, in my personal opinion, that um, which I think is the opinion of a lot of people that he he sort of. I mean, nobody really believed in him. They looked at his size. They thought he's gonna break his ankles. He's not gonna go anywhere. He's too small. And look what he's achieved. And same thing with startups, man. Same thing with founders. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are going to put you down. A lot of people are going to tell you you can't do it. Um, but look at this guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's smaller. He's 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 smaller than most of the guys out there. Um, but you know, he's the only unanimous uh, MVP. So, uh, so yeah, that's why. <laughs> the I was in what year was it? I was probably a couple years out of college, but I was, I was still in North Carolina after I graduated from NC state when he made the run while he was at Davidson in the NCAA tournament. 
and it was like he couldn't miss. It was the most electric. Yeah, that's pretty. Like I watched that basketball yeah. run. I remember yeah. watching him play. Just like every shot he took, it went yeah. in, and it was just insane. And like LeBron was in the stands for his games, and like it just totally changed. You know, Davidson's uh, footprint on on college basketball for a brief moment there, but. Um, Awesome. Well, I'm glad I asked. See, we'll put this in the YouTube and everyone can get a look at Steph Curry's birthday shoes. Andrew, uh, thank you so much for joining me, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, where can everyone find you uh, to connect and, and, you know, learn more about pitch pages and catch up labs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can contact us on our websites. Um, you can go to catchuplabs.com. Uh, you can email me at andrew at ketchuplabs.com. And, uh, and yeah, check out Pitch Pages. Uh, Pitch Pages IO uh, is, a, is the domain. And uh, we're currently in a private beta. So we're just really testing with everybody right now and getting feedback. And um, in that process, we're actually you know putting time in and, and helping people too. So uh, we're doing one-on-ones with everybody that joins up. So yeah, I encourage you to, to check it out and, and sign up and we'll set up a one-on-one and uh, we'll have a chat and learn a little bit more about your business. So. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Zero to a Million podcast brought to you by Unstack, the no-code marketing platform. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week for more startup insights and strategies.